In addition to taking care of one another inside the church, what if we developed a lifestyle of taking care of the most needy outside the walls of the church? How would that change the community and our city? Bob Moffitt, president and founder of Harvest Foundation in Phoenix, along with Pastor Julian Gibb, talk with pastors and leaders about how sacrificial love by those in the church to those in need outside the church has helped people see and embrace Jesus Christ. It's that demonstration of Jesus' greatest commandment that we'll hear more about today on The Kingdom and Its Stories. Welcome to this version of The Kingdom and Its Stories, and uh, we're delighted that you're here with us today uh, to meet another interviewee. This is Samuel Kissing, and um, Samuel is going to be sharing his testimony. But I want to make sure that we understand that we're not we're not doing these interviews to lift up the people that we're interviewing, but for them to share their story, to be an inspiration to you so that you can further examine how the Lord might be calling you to, in a creative way, be a better example of someone who has given his hands and his feet to Jesus to use for the extension of his kingdom. So, Sam, welcome. We're so glad to have you with us today. And uh, uh, you're muted. I can't. I can't hear what you're saying. So, um, there we go. Oh, there thank we you. go. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Bob. Okay. So, Sam, tell us who is Samuel Kissing? Yeah. Yeah. So, so first, first and foremost, I am a son of God. Uh, uh, I, was I was saved about. about Five to six, to six years ago, and I just I love serving him um, in every way that I can. And I'm also here representing my wife. Uh, we've been married for two years and a couple months, and so she couldn't be here today. But uh, I couldn't do all the stuff that the Lord has for me without her. So she's a, well. I, I like that. I really like that that you say you're here representing the two of you because God has made you one. Mm-hmm. So, uh, amen. Amen. So okay, well. You came to Christ only a couple of years ago? Yeah, um, I was raised Catholic, but I would say that I never fully accepted it myself personally as a walk with Jesus until I was in my sophomore year of college. Uh, So that would be 2019. Right, okay. And so how did that happen? Yeah, so I, like I said, I did not know Jesus going into college. And so I joined a fraternity um, I was studying architecture. Uh, I work as an architect today. Um, and in the fraternity, I got involved with party life, um, with drinking regularly and drinking to excess, as well as all the other stuff that goes along with partying um, that happens in America. And that uh, that led me, especially with the stresses of studying architecture, into a very deep time, a very dark time in my life of depression. And during the depression of almost two years, uh, there was a lot of questions going around in my mind of who I was, who, you know, to the core, even to my sexuality. I was, I was struggling with that at the time, and I one night was laying in bed, um, couldn't sleep. All these things were going through my head of again who I was and what I wasn't, and the idea popped into my head that I'd never once asked God for help. And I didn't Hmm. pray regularly, so it wasn't out of the ordinary for me to not ask God. But as soon as I had the idea, I thought. Like, wow, that's, 
yeah, I, I, I laughed to myself. I was like, I can't believe I haven't asked God for help yet. It's yeah, been two why years. Not? <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah, I've tried everything else. So um, laying in bed and I just said by myself, you know, God, I don't, I don't care who I am. Um, I don't care if if I'm gay, like I, I, I love you. Um, and I, I want to be your son and I want to be loved by you. And immediately he not only took the two years of depression off of me, but he also took those questions away from me. Um, instantaneously. So, Samuel, are you, Samuel, are you talking about a physical experience? Yes. Where, where the depression was lifted from you? Yes. Yep. Sort of miraculously. Yep. Instantaneously. I mean, people don't lose their depression no. like that. No, it was, it was so quick and so it, complete that I knew that the depression was gone, and I, I actually cried myself to sleep, like in joy, knowing that it was gone. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. And you would think – this is kind of an important part of the story to, to me at least. You would think that afterwards you would say something like, you know, God, I owe you my life. Um, I, I want to serve you. And that wasn't my response because I didn't have other believers around me that knew Jesus to model what it meant to be a Christian. And so right. in, my right. mind, in my mind, I was just free from depression, and I continued on partying for the next four years. Um, and so God eventually got a hold of me permanently, but it took, it took another four years of me going even deeper into sin. Um, and I, I make that point to say that to me it shows God's grace and mercy on us that Amen. even though— I wasn't going to follow him immediately. He was so quick and so willing to free me. Amen. Oh, wow. Wow, Samuel. I, that, that, that gives me chills, you know, to, to hear your story of, of being freed from depression and then not understanding what it meant to walk with Christ and then continuing on in disobedience for a period of time and then the Lord showing you really what that meant, mm-hmm. and and the grace that that um, exhibits. Yeah, that's 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 the story of our God. It is a God who is so full of grace. Well, okay. So, uh, what are you doing now? You know mm-hmm. what? Now that God got a hold of you, not just in terms of your salvation. But it gave you a purpose in life. How how did you begin to see that purpose, and what is that purpose, and how is it being lived out? Yeah. So for my wife and I, our our number one passion is sharing how awesome Jesus is because He's mm-hmm. impacted us both individually in such miraculous and awesome ways. It's like how could you not share this good news? So, right. Um, our main outreach is the rock climbing gym. Uh, we climb at a local rock climbing gym here in Phoenix, Arizona, and we we just do our best to model uh, what it means to be a follower of Jesus um, in words, but more importantly, actions. Um, the rock climbing community is obviously we, we rock climb outside a lot. Uh, and so people who spend time outside, you know, encounter God through his creation, but don't know who God is. And right. so rock climbers are often open to have spiritual conversations, but have never themselves really considered what it would mean to um, pursue a life of faith or spirituality in Christ. Um, and we kind of act as that, that middle ground, my wife and I, uh, getting to bring up the idea of Jesus to people and praying for them at the gym, you know, whatever the case may be, um, financials or, you know, physical injury, depression, anxiety. Um, yeah. Samuel, Samuel you, you talk about um, action. So how, with these rock climbing guys, other than just talking to them, 
you know, how does God given or instructed you or given you a vision for and enabled you to, to in action, reach out to these people? Yeah, great question. Um, my wife and I, as well as a handful of our friends, uh, lead a Bible study for rock climbers specifically. Okay. Yeah. So we every Wednesday. We, How many of them are Christian? Um, in the group that we have, there's about ten of us that are Christian rock climbers, and occasionally there'll be one to two people in the Bible study who uh, are not believers who are okay. che- checking right. it out. Okay. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. So, yeah. So every Wednesday we have a Bible study, um, and that uh, there's a whole kind of formula that we have for that that we really like. Uh, it moves houses every five weeks. Um, different people lead the Bible study every week um, because we're trying to encourage people to step out in their faith and, okay. and grow as disciplers as well as disciple makers towards Jesus. Um, but the one thing that really we've seen the most um, impact in is every fifth week at the beginning of a new house uh, that we're studying the Bible in, we will have a dinner. And the dinner, we make an open invite to all people at the gym. Um, it, it's more it's more acceptable, or more it's easy more easily accepting um, from people to go to a dinner. Like they can okay. say yes to coming to a dinner, uh, maybe than a right. Bible study. And so, right. Right. at the dinner, it's not specifically Jesus focused. Um, it's not, we're not having like a, a Bible study during the dinner. But, You're building relationships. But we're building relationships, and we're showing people that Christians, you know, we might believe in Jesus, but we're not, we're not crazy. Um, You're not weirdos. No, we're normal people who love a good meal um, and love good friendship. And so that's a lot of people. That's been so successful. We've had so many people who um, have come to the dinner. Sometimes there'll be like four or five, even six people who don't know Jesus will show up to the dinner and we'll get to in great conversation with them. Um, and it's just, it's an awesome opportunity to get to meet people. Yeah, it, it reminds me, Samuel, of of one of Jesus' favorite activities. Yes. Eating. Yes. <laughs> it was with being around the table with other people. Yeah, it's a great and, opportunity. And, and especially not with a, a bunch of religious people. Yeah. But with people that the religious people called not the good ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's... Go ahead. No, yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, there was a great teaching that I heard from a pastor in Seattle uh, that inspired my wife and I to, to try this. So the Bible study did not used to have the dinner, but then after this teaching that we heard of how Jesus modeled hospitality and the kingdom to come through dinners, we, we were like, we have to incorporate this into our, our yeah. Bible study. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so when you talk about doing physical things, you're talking about inviting people mm-hmm. to a meal. Yeah. Building relationships with them. Mm-hmm. And then praying for them. Yeah. And talk to them. Okay. Well, tell tell us some stories about how that's worked out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, the, the proverbial question. Well, how's that working out for you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the There has yet to be, um, I, as far as we're aware, there's no one that has uh, come to faith through this. But we're definitely planting a lot of seeds. Right. Um, and I would say the the fruit of our labors have been seeing people's responses to spirituality more than anything, um, Christian spirituality specifically. Uh, and I say spirituality because, you know, I, Jesus came to bring us the Holy Spirit um, right. and not not the law. And so it's not that the law is bad. It's just that we want to represent Jesus um, in in this way of he, he loves you uh, and he wants you to walk with him in an intimate relationship. And the intimate relationship looks like walking with him in the power of the Holy Spirit. So... 
when we talk to people at the gym, that's that's what we talk about. We talk about the the power that he's given us to walk free from anxiety and depression. And people at the gym, this is where probably it impacts them the most is um, getting to hear the difference in the way Jesus has changed our lives compared to where they're at, where we where we used to be at before Jesus. Right. Um, and so, yeah, that's it. like I said, there's not there has yet to be a time that someone has surrendered their life to Christ, but there has been a lot of great conversations where people um, we have gotten to pray for their anxiety, um, right? And in that moment, you know, they might have been set free from it temporarily, or yeah, yeah. Okay, I I want to just do a quick uh, interruption here, Samuel, to to tell people who are listening and watching and or watching that. We're uh, doing an interview with Samuel Kissing, um, and in uh, his giving us his testimony of how God is using him to be Jesus' hands and feet, with the hope that those of you who are listening to this broadcast will will reconsider how God might call you to more creatively to be Jesus' hands and feet in your life and whatever you do. And, and Samuel, you're an architect. Mm-hmm. So you've been telling us stories about things that you do other as an architect. So h- how does this fit in with being an architect? I mean, do you, you have a full-time job as an architect? And then yeah. and where, how do you fit this rock climbing thing in, yeah. in your dinners and your Bible studies? Yeah, so I I do work a, f- a full-time job, um, and I work for an architect who has devoted his life to serving the church through architecture, um, and that means he, he, he mostly designs churches, um, specifically in the Phoenix Valley. Uh, I work for the Bardusen Architects, Steve Bardusen, so he's done about 100 churches in the valley, and that's his life's calling, okay. and, and that's how I get to serve God through my job. Um, Yes. Yeah, but but okay. So where do you find the time? Yes, you know to do rock climbing and oh yeah, Bible studies and dinners. Yeah, so it's we we live very intentional lives. That's a great question. I see what you're saying, Bob. Thank you. Um, we live intentional lives for Jesus to the degree that our 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 nights are spent, you know, like talking about Jesus at the gym. Um, so we rock climb Tuesday nights. We uh, we do our Bible study Wednesday nights. And then we will have other hangouts throughout the the nights as well as the weekends, um, especially the weekends where we go climbing outside, you know, talking and sharing and rock climbing. Um, And so it's – and, you know, Monday or Thursday night, my wife have a date night. And besides that, you know, it's mostly spent in community or in some form of um, the other ministry. So So this isn't just sort of we do this if we have time. It sounds like you've made an intentional Mm – uh, intentional commitment to spend your evenings yeah. in this kind of a ministry. Yeah. And it, I think yeah. it's, it's because we really believe in it. Um, you know, regardless of the fruit that we're seeing, it that doesn't matter. It's, you know, we're just doing our best to be faithful to Jesus um, and what he, well, I feel like he's called all Christians to do. Uh, what? <laughs> to spread the gospel. <laughs> to make he's, this... called, he's called all Christians to do this? I believe so. Where do you get that? Um, Specifically at the end of the Bible, as Jesus is going away, he says, uh, and I'm not going to be able to quote Jesus perfectly, but he says something along the lines of, uh, you know, go out into all nations, making disciples um, from all peoples, uh, you know, unto me, um, unto Jesus. So that's— And that's that's just not for professional pastors? 
or church workers? I think – I mean, no, I, I hope not. I, I hope my pastor is focusing on pastoring me so I can go out and pastor, you know, okay. those who don't know Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's – the reason I'm uh, coming back to that is I think that's so important. I think so many of us uh, who don't necessarily have a full-time calling to what is traditionally called ministry have forgotten that Jesus' Great Commission – was not just to professionals. It was to everyone who calls himself a follower of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and I love that. Yeah. Um, I, I do have a rock climbing question. Mm-hmm. And, and that is, have you ever been to El Capitan? And, and uh, do you ever aspire to try to free climb? Capitan. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be a dream. Um, I would love to live in California someday. I'd love to live near Yosemite, where El Capitan, the climb is. Right. And yes, I would love to. I'd love to make an attempt on it someday. Yeah, yeah. Well, I would have when I was younger. Yeah. But I don't think I don't think I want to try that now. <laughs> so, well, um, Samuel, tell us, you know, if you can, a um, a story of. No names, you know, don't reveal confidentiality, but um, of someone that you've ministered to. And and the fact that uh, it's really interesting to me that you say that you haven't seen a lot of people come to Christ through this. So in addition to the story, help us understand how you're okay with that. Mm. Yeah. Um you know, I mean, if if your objective is to see people come to Christ, and you haven't seen that happen, so how you know how do you and your wife uh, accept that that's okay? Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is I'm gonna tell a story about rock climbing. Um, this might be the exception to what you were sharing in regards to. I think this person did give their life to Christ, but not necessarily just because of our work. Um, again, being intentional uh, in following Jesus, we're not full-time ministry, anything, but we felt like after getting married, uh, the Lord was calling my wife and I to Flagstaff, Arizona, which is two hours north of Phoenix. And we bought a travel trailer and we went part-time with our jobs so that we could live in Flagstaff. And the reason why we felt like we were led to live in Flagstaff for a season, we lived for five months um, in this travel trailer pulled by our truck was to serve in a homeless ministry that's in the downtown Flagstaff area uh, as well as um, rock climb there and do what we already talked about. And the outcome of that was um, getting to combine both our love for homeless ministry with rock climbing in this this guy um, who was a longtime gang member in California and had spent a lot of his life in jail dealing uh, meth and also being a meth addict. He ended up somehow in Flagstaff from California at this homeless shelter that's that's Christian based and was ex- extremely successful in seeing people's lives transformed. I think it's Sunrise uh, Mission um, okay. in Flagstaff, and they we met uh, we met this man there, and we invited him to go rock climbing. And it was the most it was so humbling being with this man rock climbing because you know mid thirties late 30s, and he had never done anything like this in his entire life. And while we were rock climbing, my wife and I with him, uh, he stated a handful of times, not only was he scared and didn't almost chickened out, even though this is a, a hardcore gang member from rock climbing, he's scared of rock climbing, but two, he had never had this much fun in his life. And he, and he, he was so thankful. 
Um, and so that was just one example of how we can take passions that we have, be it you know cycling or rock climbing or um, you know video games, and invite people that are on the periphery, on the outskirts of our society, bring right. them into community and show them what it means to have fun, um, show them what it means to have a strong strong friendships and relationships. Um, but then to go to the second part of your question. Uh, as far as you know, how do we feel about people not receiving Jesus? Um, yeah, it's it's tough. I'm not going to make that like, oh yeah. I mean, that's that's our passion. We love seeing people find the love that Jesus has for us and themselves. Right. Um, but it's not it's not something that happens very often. And I, I don't think this is my personal opinion, but I don't believe that it's our duty either to convince people of Jesus. Um, I believe that what Jesus has called us to do is to witness of his glory, of his love for those who have sinned um, and who are far from him. And ultimately, it's the it's his spirit that interacts with those people and takes the little seeds that we've planted as far as telling them about the truth, the true Jesus that's in the, in the Bible, and the Holy Spirit taking that and growing it into something. Um, so it is not easy all the time, but we, we try to keep our eyes on the Holy Spirit doing it. No, the reason I ask that question, Samuel, is because I think it's so important for us to realize that that we are not the one who draws people to the Father. Mm-hmm. It's the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And our job isn't to draw people to the Father. Our job, it seems to me from Scripture, is to proclaim Jesus Yeah. and to lift him up. And as we do that, um, whatever the Lord does is in his timing— not ours, and sometimes I think the pressure to see, that that we feel, which is I think self-imposed, to see people come to Christ drives often drives people away. Mm-hmm. I have a friend that's in uh, in in ministry in uh, with nomads in Mongolia. Wow, and um, and and he says many of the, of the nomadic people that he meets are driven away from Christ by the Christians who come to them to witness. Mm. And, you know, they, they put so much pressure, you know, on, on the nomadic people to yeah. well, listen to this, believe it. And, uh, and, and they say, that's not how um, we are going to be changed. Mm-hmm. And so his approach is to build relationships, which is exactly what you've been doing. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I love that about about your ministry. Thank you. And I, I just want our listeners to really be aware of the fact that, um, to be reminded of the fact that we're not the ones who draws people, who draw people to to Jesus or to his Father. It's the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Our job is to represent him. So, um, Sam, um, how would you encourage those who are listening to kind of evaluate their lives and how they're being able to be a witness. How, how would you encourage them um, to think beyond the box? Yeah, I think it's a great question, Bob. Thank you. Um, I would say the best way is to look at what you're already doing in your life. Um, and, and for some people that might be easy and some for people that might be hard. Uh, if you're already involved in some form of community sport or, you know, be it, it could be anything. It could be, it could be chess club. It could be video games. It could be, 
you know, uh, eating hot chili peppers at contests. Like there's community involved in each one of those. Right. If you if you're in that group, I would say um, start bringing Jesus into it. Uh, every every people group that exists in the world needs to know about Jesus. Um, and that's not just other races and languages, um, but it's people in our towns. Um, it's the people we spend the most time with. So for you guys, I, for that group, I would say um, look into that, look into bringing Jesus into those groups and see see who's open to hearing more about him, um, you know, reading the Bible. Uh, if you look at your life and you say, wow, I'm not doing any of those things, um, you know, I'm not involved. I, I spend most of my time watching TV or, um, you know, uh, even if it's just self stuff like gardening, uh I would I would encourage you you're not doing anything wrong per se but I would encourage you find ways to do that with other people. You know, it might be joining a local gardening community, uh, a local gardening club or a co-op where they share garden space. Um so those two things are the, what I would recommend. Um yeah. Thank you. That's beautiful. It's not that you have to change what you're doing. It's what, uh, unless you're watching TV and doing a lot of screen time, that's not too yeah. positive. But what, whatever it is your hobby is, what, what do you have fun at? Mm-hmm. Find, find a way to engage other people in that. Yeah. Samuel Kissing, thank you so much for being with us today on The Kingdom and Its Stories. And may God bless you and your wife as you continue to be Jesus' hands and feet. Jesus defines discipleship as come and follow me. Next Monday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, we'll hear another testimonial from a leader demonstrating how they and the people of the church are sacrificially loving the needy and beginning to see real change in their communities. If you have a personal example of how you are being the hands and feet of Jesus with your neighbors, we'd love to hear from you. Enter your story at harvestfoundation.org. That's harvestfoundation.org on the Contact Us tab. You can also subscribe to the podcast on The Kingdom and Its Stories on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.